Welcome to the Waukesha Bible Church Podcast. We believe the Bible tells a single story, and at the center of that story is Jesus. If you like what you hear today, additional sermons, teaching sessions, and written material can be found on our website at waukeshawbible.org. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Our scripture reading today is Hebrews 1, 1 through 12. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through him also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of a majesty on high. Having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. Thank you. You may be seated. Last week, uh, Giles introduced us into our current sermon series, Remembering the Essentials of Our Church, and we started with the vision and mission of Waukesha Bible, and the purpose that this gathering has within our community, our city, and our world. We looked last week specifically at the commission our Lord gave in Matthew 28 for his church. And as we shift to this week, our attention turns now to the one who has given this commission, the Lord Jesus himself. Waukesha Bible Church exists to make much of Jesus and to see his name magnified above all others. The gathering this week comes during a week in which we actually saw numerous displays of individuals realizing their own mortality and their need for a higher power to intervene. On Monday evening, the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals squared off in one of the most highly anticipated games of the NFL season. And disclaimer, my main interest is as a uh, poor and hopeless Bills fan uh, for most of my life. With thousands of fans in the stadium, alongside nearly 24 million viewers across the nation, the focus of the game quickly changed when Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin made a routine tackle which resulted in him going into cardiac arrest. Players were seen visibly shaken as staff performed CPR on Hamlin in order to revive the 24-year-old. As various news agencies picked up the story, numerous commentators and analysts indicated the importance and need of praying for DeMar and for his recovery. One such sports commentator, Dan Orlowski, a former football player himself, actually took part of an ESPN broadcast to stop and pray for DeMar on live TV. The idea of praying for someone in our culture is seen as considerate, and many will welcome prayer for themselves 
or others. Seeing the events of this past week and the outpouring of public prayer, we as a church come together for prayer at the corporate level alongside the many prayers all of us make throughout the week. One thing that is paramount when it comes to the prayers of the saints is the object of their faith and the one that we pray to. Many of this week indicated their belief in the power of prayer and its effectiveness. We believe that prayer is effective because of the one to whom those prayers are offered. It is through Jesus that we now have an advocate before the Father. So long as we remain on this earth, we proclaim that he alone is worthy of our prayers, our praise, and our lives. And so our study this morning will focus on Jesus' worthiness to be exalted, how his word testifies to this truth, and how we as a church are to respond to his testimony. So let's ask the question as we consider Christ and his worth of exaltation by asking the question, what do we think of Jesus? A.W. Tozer, in his classic book, The Knowledge of the Holy, opens chapter 1 with the following statement. Quote, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. As we consider Jesus... We agree with his testimony in John chapter 10, verse 30, where he states, I and the Father are one. Further, our statement of faith here at Waukesha Bible Church regarding Jesus the Son reads as follows, quote, regarding the Son, we believe the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, became man without ceasing to be God conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary in order that he might reveal God to humanity and redeem sinful humanity from sin. We believe the Lord Jesus Christ ascended to heaven and is now exalted at the right hand of God where, as our high priest, he fulfills the ministry of representative, intercessor, and advocate who mediates before the Father on our behalf. As we speak of the exaltation of Jesus, a a, a crucial part of exalting him above all others is the very fact that we do declare that he, he is God in the flesh. Our culture today is filled with messages of the, quote, progress that we are making as a society. We have, for example, the latest technology to make our lives as convenient and as safe as possible. We are called currently to question the historical norms of Christianity as antiquated and out of touch in today's culture. Just as our culture is continuously changing in what it values, the idea of God in society is constantly changing. In 2022, Ligonier Ministries and Lifeway Research uh, actually partnered up to conduct a survey to help Christians better understand what Americans believe about God, salvation, ethics, and the Bible. And so for just a minute, let's go through a handful of the responses of the participants to better understand how our culture views our God. And so there was a total of 31 questions. I'm not going to go through them all, but I just handpicked a few here. Of the respondents to the survey, 52% believe that God learns and adapts to different circumstances, i.e. that God changes who he is. 67% believe that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. 
66% of these respondents believed that biblical accounts of the physical resurrection of Jesus are completely accurate, that this event actually occurred. 53% believed that Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God, which I feel like there's a contradiction there if you believe in his resurrection, but he is not God. But anyways, 66% believe everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. 69% disagree, 69% disagree that even the smallest sin deserves eternal damnation. 53% believe the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. Again, remember that 66% said that the resurrection of Jesus is completely accurate. 51% believe the Bible is 100% accurate in all it teaches. So there's, there's some people there that aren't fully getting it. 67% believe worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regularly attending the church gathering. And lastly, 60% of respondents agreed that religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It is not about objective truth. This is the culture that we are a part of here today. When we look at these results, we begin to see the contradictions as they arise. We have those who indicate that the Bible is 100% accurate. But yet most respondents would agree that religious beliefs are not about objective truths. These responses are helpful to better understand what our culture thinks of Jesus and how vital it is for the church to understand the thinking that surrounds us and the necessity for us to proclaim the glory of Jesus himself. In contrast to the mixed results of the previously mentioned survey, we do affirm the deity of Jesus and confess that no one comes to the Father except through him. He is worthy of all exaltation because he always has been and he always will be. Turning our attention to Hebrews 1, we see how Jesus is now the revelation from God that we are to look to and hold with the highest regard. And so in the beginning of Hebrews, it's stated, quote, long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. In the times of ancient Israel, many prophets were appointed to disclose the revelation that God was to impart onto the people. But in these days, there is no new prophet that we are waiting for. There is no new revelation that we await with suspense. Jesus has come down as the final word from God to his people. Unlike the former prophets who died and were no more, Jesus laid down his life on his own accord, only to take it up on the third day. In verses 3 through 4, again, it states, He is the radiance of of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Again, unlike the prophets who were simply men that were given instruction from God, in Jesus, God himself has stepped down from heaven and graciously revealed the exact imprint of his nature. We know exactly who God is like because of Jesus. In contrast to the survey earlier, which indicates that 53% of respondents believe Jesus was a good teacher, but was not deity, 
We read in Hebrews that this final revelation from God is the same one who upholds all things in creation by the word of his power. No prophet of old could ever make such a claim. Another claim that can be made by no other is regarding the payment of the sin of humanity. Our culture and the world, for that matter, is filled with the notion that we can earn our way back to God, that we can reconcile the relationship on our end. Yet in Christ, we find the one who has made purification for sins, the sacrifice of himself once and for all. His sacrifice was the perfect sacrifice in that it was complete and did not need to be offered again. We can confidently affirm the perfection of his sacrifice in that he sat down at his father's right hand because the work was done. The author closes this section by affirming the glory of the Son, not simply over the prophets of old, but of the angels themselves. Jesus is far superior to them. Matthew Henry in his commentary affirms that the angels are very glorious beings, far more glorious and excellent than men. The scripture always represents them as the most excellent of all creatures. And we know of no being but, him, but God himself that is higher than the angels. And therefore the law was ordained by angels and it ought to be held in great esteem by God's creation. But yet, Jesus is greater and Jesus is better even than the angels. And we affirm because of the name given to Jesus that his greatness far surpasses any created thing. This Jesus is no mere prophet, no mere teacher, not merely just a, quote, good person, as some in our culture would claim. He, in fact, is God in the flesh. For those who hear my voice and have not considered this before, please hear my words. If you want to know who God is like, look to Jesus. In Jesus, we find the glory of God on full display. In Jesus, we have the God-man, fully God in his deity and authority, yet fully man in that he can sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus alone we exalt because he alone is worthy. As we go to the next section, we consider Christ in his word. Let us also consider the word of God and how it glories in the Son. Considering the Word of God, our statement of faith again at WBC reads as follows. Considering the Holy Scriptures, we believe that the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the verbally inspired Word of God, without error in their original writings, infallible when properly handled, and the final authority for faith and life. The following verses in Scripture affirm this statement. In 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, we read, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In Psalm 119, verse 105, we read that His Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to my path. Proverbs 6.23 again, For the commandment is a lamp and a teaching to, the, to, the, to those, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. A study into bibliology, which is the study of Scripture, reaffirms that this remarkable word given by God is complete, accurate, and trustworthy. We cannot mention the glory of the person and work of Jesus without also considering the inerrant word 
that we have been given by God. Consider the following description of the Bible and its authority. Quote, internal evidences are those things within the Bible that testify of its divine origin. One eternal evidence of the Bible is that it is tri- God's word is in its unity. Even though it is really 66 individual books written on three continents in three different languages over a period of approximately 1,500 years by more than 40 authors who came from many walks of life, the Bible remains one unified book from beginning to end without contradiction. This unity is unique from all other books and is evidence of the divine origin of the words that God moved men to record. Another uh, internal evidence that indicates the Bible is truly God's word is the prophecy within the book. The Bible contains hundreds of detailed prophecies relating to the future of various nations, certain cities, and all of mankind. Other prophecies concern the coming of the Messiah, the Savior of all who would believe in him. Unlike the prophecies found in other religious books or those by men such as Nostradamus, for example, biblical prophecies are extremely detailed. There are over 300 prophecies concerning Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Not only was his lineage foretold and where he would be born, but also how he would die and that he would rise again. There's incredible detail to the prophecies in Scripture. There simply is no logical way to explain the fulfilled prophecies in the Bible other than citing divine origin. There is no other religious book with the amount of detailed predictive prophecy that the Bible contains. Lastly, a third evidence of this divine origin of the Bible is its unique authority and power. Now, while this evidence is more subjective than the first two, it is no less a powerful testimony that the Bible is God's word. The Bible's authority is unlike that of any other book ever written, in that this power is seen in the way countless lives have been supernaturally transformed. Drug addicts have been cured by it. Homosexuals set free by it. Derelicts and deadbeats transformed by it. Hardened criminals reformed by it. Sinners rebuked by it. And hate turned to love by it. The Bible does possess a dynamic and transforming power that is only possible because it is truly God's word. Having briefly considered the reliability of Scripture, let us now look now at how Scripture gives an account of Jesus himself. And so look with me at John chapter 1. Right at the beginning of John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, we read as follows. In John's account, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And regarding who this word was, we read further in chapter 1, verses beginning at verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. 
For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. In this account from John, we see this word, Jesus, was from the beginning and holds the same relationship and authority as God, the Father. It is through this word that all has been made and that life is sourced in him. We then see that this word is not merely an abstract idea, but a a tangible reality. God came down to be born into this world to reveal the glory of God to a lost world. We also see this now, now directly mentioning Jesus, quote, that he is full of grace and truth and has revealed the Father to us. Considering our core values, we teach the word of God at Waukesha Bible Church because this word has been given by God and testifies to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Consider the numerous areas where the word testifies to the lordship of of Jesus. And, And I'll read these verses so you don't have to search for them. But in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to those around him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Now, some will use this verse in, in 1 Timothy to show that Jesus was not God because it says the man Christ Jesus. But this is not a contradiction because as we affirm that he was fully God and fully man, if, if you were to describe me to somebody and, and say that, well, Peter has brown hair, It doesn't mean I no longer have brown eyes. You've only emphasized one area of who I am. Jesus was fully God and fully man. In Hebrews 13, verse 8, quote, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is immutable. He does not change, unlike what the prevailing thoughts in our society are today. Regarding God's immutability, A.W. Tozer says, quote, God cannot change for the better. Since he is perfectly holy, he has never been less holy than he is now and can never be holier than he is and always has been. Neither can God change for the worse. Any deterioration within the unspeakably holy nature of God is impossible. Indeed, I believe it impossible even to think such a thing for the moment we attempt to do so The object about which we are thinking is no longer God, but something else and someone less than he. If God could become less perfect, then he would no longer be God. We declare that he does not change. He is immutable. And in John chapter 5, verses 37 through 39, Jesus himself declares, The Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Because the word of God is interwoven with the person and work of Jesus, we make it our mission to expound on the scriptures in the gathering on Sunday mornings here at WBC. 
If you have attended Waukesha Bible Church for any length of time, you're likely familiar with the tagline, the Bible tells a single story, and the center of that story is Jesus. This is not merely a catchy phrase that we just say over and over again, but a creed that we profess and proclaim that this word from God is all about God himself. This word from God is accurate, and it is trustworthy. This word from God declares that God came to earth to rescue sinners. This word from God declares that Jesus is the one we are to believe in, worship and adore with all that is within us. We make much of Jesus because his very word makes much of him. And lastly, we will look at Christ and how he is exalted through the church, through the local gathering. And as in prior sections of of this message, let us again consider our statement of faith as it pertains to the local church. Quote, We believe the church is the body and the espoused bride of Christ and is represented through the gathering of local churches with Christ as the head. We believe the church has been tasked with the ministry of reconciliation to proclaim the gospel both near and far for the gathering and perfecting of the saints in this present age and is God's means of spreading his glory globally. Now, in former times, God worked through a nation, a specific people group, to declare the greatness of God to the world. The nation of Israel was meant to be a light to the nations for them to behold the glory of God and to submit their ways to him. Our culture has increasingly become focused on emphasizing the individual and downplaying the importance of gathering together and how we benefit from being with one another. We are meant to be together in community. Advances in technology have made living in modern times much more convenient and easier than even 50 years ago. Rather than having a glove box full of maps if you were to travel across the U.S. or having to stop at a gas station to ask for directions, you can utilize your little rectangle that you have as a GPS. We can now utilize Zoom or any other online web platforms to have video meetings with people across the nation and world that we may never meet with in person. And it is not to say that these advances in and of themselves are evil. As a matter of fact, you might be watching this service right now on our YouTube stream. But I say these things as a plea to remind us that it is God's plan for his people to gather together in worship of his son, Jesus Christ. We cannot forsake the gathering of believers. We are a blessed people to have the ability to gather without immediate threats from the government or other outside influences. We experience a much different reality than our brothers and sisters in North Korea. We must continue to gather. And our reason for gathering is to affirm that the plan of God to rescue the world has been accomplished through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We gather as evidence of God working in our lives to bring us to himself. We gather as a people not linked by ethnicity or political party, who unify in our declaration that in Jesus we find salvation and rest. So again in Scripture, let us consider how the Bible pertains to Jesus and the church. Quote, in Hebrews chapter 10 it reads, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, 
not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In Colossians 3.16, it reads, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And in Hebrews 3.6, But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. And lastly, in Matthew 16, it reads, that I tell you, you are Peter, this is Jesus speaking, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is one of the primary means of grace that God has given to his children. We are to value it and see that it points those who gather to the head of the church, Jesus Christ himself. Now here at Waukesha Bible, the operation and activities of the church are strategically placed to put the emphasis on glorying in Jesus and proclaiming his name above all others. We make that our aim here. Our 9 a.m. hour before the service exists to give more extensive study into the word and the theological DNA of this church for people of all ages. Our message during the Sunday gatherings is meant to exegete the scriptures and display how Jesus is enough in this life and the one to come. On Wednesday evenings, we host Gloria Institute to provide the opportunity to study the Bible or topics related to it in a classroom setting conducive to instruction and dialogue. Uh, from the church's website, the goal of Gloria is to build up the mind of the local church in order that the congregate may know Christ and experience his life in them. Our children's ministries are centered around the one-story curriculum, which is described as follows on our website. The one-story curriculum is an intentional approach to reaching and teaching the children of WBC, a three-year curriculum covering the entire Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Its intent is to enable biblical literacy, emphasis on the emphasis the one story with Jesus as the center, teach the theological DNA of WBC, practice sound biblical study by using the Simeon Trust method, show how Jesus is the fulfillment of the seed promise and blood picture, know that the first word of the gospel is, it is finished, and show the non-negotiable link between our justification, sanctification, and glorification. We have members who are part of our Stephen ministry to bring the healing of Jesus to those who are hurting within our congregation. The purpose of our worship arts ministry, the Sunday worship and our choir, is to lead everyone toward a greater joy of knowing Christ and engaging with God through the Holy Spirit. And these are just some of the ministries that we offer here at Waukesha Bible. But the focus of it all is to see God glorified and his son magnified. That is why we do what we do. As long as this church exists, we must continue to affirm Christ as Lord, not simply a good teacher, but Lord and Savior. Our gathering brings glory to his name. Our gathering resets our minds from the challenges and burdens of life and lifts our eyes to see Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Continue to make yourself part of the gathering. If you watch online and you are physically able to do so, please join us on Sunday mornings. 
Together as a body of believers, we make up just a small part of the great multitude in Revelation who will bow the knee to King Jesus. In closing, a little example of what the global church experiences around the world. In 2018, Beijing authorities threatened to close Zion Church after a 1,500-member congregation, one of the Chinese capital's largest house churches, refused to install surveillance cameras in its sanctuary. I can imagine if the government was asking us to install cameras in here, we would raise an eyebrow. After services on Sunday, officials delivered on their threat to the unofficial Protestant congregation, which meets in a renovated hall in northern Beijing. Zion is now banned and its materials confiscated, reports Reuters. The Beijing Xiaoyang District Civil Affairs Bureau said that by organizing events without registering, the church was breaking rules forbidding mass gatherings, which were now legally banned, and its illegal promotional material has been confiscated, reported the news agency. Earlier that year, revised regulations came into force on religious groups. Where implemented, churches have started to face increased pressure to sinicize or to be Chinese in orientation, culturally, and to be in submission to the authority of the Communist Party. This involves burning of crosses and replacing them with the Chinese flag, showing slogans praising the Communist Party and the values of socialism in religious buildings, and taking away sacred images seen as, quote, too Western, according to a report by Asia News, referring to incidents in several provinces. As hard as it is for us to grasp, this is a reality for much of the Christian population throughout the world. Despite this persecution, Jesus continues as ruler and authority over all. We live in a time where the greater culture insists we must question the authority of Scripture and the deity of Christ himself. We gather to remind ourselves of the, quote, I am, the Son of God who always has been and always will be. We proclaim that Jesus is God, and he has reconciled all things unto himself. We are now to encourage each other through his finished work, to continue to gather in corporate fellowship, and tell others of the gift of life that is theirs in Christ, to the glory of his name and his name alone. Would you join me in prayer? Our Father, we thank you that at the cry of it is finished on the cross, the curtain tore open from top to bottom, that the way for sinners to be reconciled and restored to you was finished. And we proclaim that it was all through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We make much of you, Lord. We proclaim your name to a lost and dying world that needs you. Give us strength to endure, Lord. Give us confidence in our position. Remind us of the hope of eternity. And may we refresh each other and comfort each other today and in all days. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.